Amen. I'm glad the Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I'm glad I fell into that whosoever crowd. Amen. That day, love called our name. Good song. Good job, gang. God bless your heart. John chapter 15. In your Bibles, John chapter number 15. Continuing our series in the book of John. And our theme is why Christianity is special. So many religions today. Pluralism is about us. Politically correct is the answer to all the dilemmas today. Compromise. But I just believe in all the religions, there's one reason why Christianity is special. Our God is not dead. He is alive. And so we're studying through the book of John. And I thought today we'd just preach a little bit, a little while, out of the book of John chapter 15. I'll read for you verse 12 through verse 15. And I'd like to talk to you today about this thought. What a friend we have in Jesus. You sang the song a little while ago. Some of us might think the way that people treat us, we're friendless. But I want you to know something. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. To God be the glory. Thank God for our friend, Jesus Christ. It astounds me, blows my mind. It's so huge, I cannot hardly comprehend the fact that God wants to be my friend. Let that soak in a little bit. The creator of this world, the sustainer of all that God created, he, as the little children sing, has the whole world in his hand. Not the President of the United States or the United Nations, but the God of all glory wants to be my friend. Just sit on that a minute. That ought to make you kind of special if He wants to be your friend. You, who it is not easy to be friends with. (laughs) Can anybody say amen? Well, nobody is saying amen. Aristotle said, friendship is a single soul dwelling in two bodies. Think about that a minute. Rodney Dangerfield said, Once I told my old man, nobody likes me. His dad said, Don't say that because you ain't met everybody yet. (laughs) This is verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. We ask him how, and he replies, as I 
have loved you. Would that fix every home in this place? Would that fix the relationship that everybody calls the generation gap in this place? Wow. Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. A British publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. And among the thousands of answers received were the following, just three or four. A friend is one who multiplies joy, divides grief, and whose honesty is invulnerable. That's what a husband and wife ought to do. Sharing the grief and the hardship and the sorrows because when you do, they are half. Sharing the joys and the victories, and when you do, they're doubled. If you're not a friend with your mate, don't worry about falling in love until you fall in friendship. A friend is one who understands our silence. Something bothering you? No. You act like something bothering you. Shut up, friend. It's time to say amen. Some of you husband and wife acting like I'm preaching to you. (laughs) A friend is a volume of sympathy bound in a cloth. A friend watches... A friend watched that beats true for all time and never runs down. But the winning definition of a friend is a friend of one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Maybe some of we, when the whole world had gone out and in desperation and Lostness. A real friend came in. His name was Jesus. Maybe in a jailhouse someplace. Maybe on a hospital bed. Maybe you walked out of the divorce court. Maybe in the lonely hallway in an ugly decorated courtroom. You walked out and Jesus walked in. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let's pray. And before we do, I want to tell you, it's 1051. 
I'll not say that again until it's 151. <laughs> Our Father today, help us, dear God, open your word by your spirit, speak to your people. And Lord, those who are non-believers, those who doubt, those who are not really sure, I pray that a supernatural event would take place in their life today and they would be gloriously born again. Thank you for all of our visitors and our friends here today. Minister to us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. The part of the scripture that really spoke to my heart as I read this, and of course now I have spoken and preached probably close to 10 messages out of chapter 14. And what a wonderful chapter chapter 14 is. It's a wonderful chapter. And then last week I preached to you on this theme. I didn't entitle it, but while I was preaching, I came up with this theme and this subject and the title of the message last week was 21st Century Sapsuckers. (laughs) You like that, Doc? That's got to be original, but there ain't nobody else ever preached a sermon titled on 21st Century Sapsuckers. And I preached about the vine and the branch. And the branch that does not bear fruit is nothing more than a 21st Century Sapsucker. And God is not pleased with those who are just zapping the sap and not producing fruit. Pretty good, huh? For a country boy. I want want you to notice something in verse 15. Well, I just don't know how to find God's will. I just don't know where to look. The last part of verse 15 says, look at this, that whatsoever, I I tell you, he said, for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known to you. All things, Jesus is speaking, speaking to his disciples. I know he's not speaking to us, but that is written for us. All things, Jesus is speaking, all things that I've heard from my Father, I have made it known to you. Now that impressed me. And that was the thought uh, that God gave me this week. Notice if you were, th- if you would please, in chapter 15, there are three tremendous titles given to we who are Christians, we who are believers, we who have been saved. Three tremendous titles. In verse number five, God calls us branches. In verse number eight, he calls us disciples. In verse number 14 and 15, he calls us friends. You see it there in your Bible? 
You see it there in the Bible. Titles, tremendous titles, bless your heart. Not given to us by some theologian. Not given to us by some friend that does not know how to be a friend. But three tremendous titles God gives us. Each of those titles bear with it responsibilities and blessings. As branches, we are receivers. As branches, we are in the vine. As branches, we receive life from the true vine. As branches, we receive everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. If you abide in Christ, everything you need to bear fruit is available to you. Them are weak amens for such good preaching. Dear God, you watch the movies late last night? Ladies, say amen, would you? Oh, go ahead. Say amen, would you, ladies? If you don't start saying amen, I'm going to get you a fan to hang up and say amen. Good God. (laughs) And I know some of you men, that just hacks you off because the Bible said let women keep silent in the church. But if you read, that's chapter 14, and the text context is talking about speaking in tongues. It says, ladies, don't be speaking in tongues in church. So you ladies say amen. If your old man's too backslidden to sleep, say amen every once in a while. You say, that'll make our visitors mad. Well, it's mad before they came. If they've watched the news, they're mad. If they're employers, they're mad. If they're bankers, they're mad. If they're just breathing, they're mad today. So it won't hurt if you ladies make a matter by saying amen. <laughs> Branches. A tremendous title. Jesus looks at, 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 at Garrett. And I, I, Garrett, you're not a very pretty branch, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. But God says Garrett is a branch. And Garrett is... To do nothing more than to abide in Christ. And Christ does the rest. The vine produces everything necessary for life and for fruit. You can't work it up. You can't pray it up. You can't dig it up. You can't build it up. We are branches and our responsibility to God is to abide, fellowship, be friendship with Jesus Christ. Don't forget him. Don't put him on the shelf. Don't treat him like last week's newspaper. Don't treat him like yesterday's gravy and throw him out and go get him when you feel like it. He is the true vine and you and I are to abide in him. And let me help you a little bit. If you're not faithful to church, you're probably not abiding. You say, how much church? Three services a week. You say, I don't need church to please Jesus. Well, how's it going? You probably ain't even pleasing your wife, let alone Jesus. Tremendous preaching. Amen. We are branches. God also says, not only are we branches, but we are disciples. And that means we are to follow. He don't just give these titles because he's taking them up space in your Bible. He says you are branches to abide. You are disciples to follow. And Jesus said, now, follow me and I will make you. 
Seminary don't make you. Bible college don't make you. Our schools do not make you. You do not. You are not a self-made man. Our responsibility is merely to abide. Our responsibility is to follow. His responsibility is to produce fruit and to make you what he wants you to be. And then the next title is a lovely title. And he says, friends. And then our responsibility is not to bear fruit, not to follow, but to listen. Because all things that I've heard of my father, I have made it known unto you. Is that precious or what? You say, well, preacher, what in the world has he made known to us? I thought you'd never ask. Have you read Hebrews chapter 1 lately? Verses 1 through 3, let me read it for you. All things that I've heard of my Father, I've made it known to you. You say, well, I was standing in my bedside last night about two o'clock. And suddenly I was awakened. And I stood up and I saw an angel stand at the foot of my bed with an outdrawn sword. My advice to you is quit eating anchovies before you go to bed. Because that ain't the way Jesus does it. You said, I saw a vision. That's after your wife hits you. That ain't how God works. Verse 1. God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners, who in several different times throughout history, in different times, God has spoken in different manners in times past under the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us. What's your Bible say? By his son. All God wants you to know is here. And you say, where did it come from? It come from the Father through the Son. Why? Because you're his friend. And he wants you to know he's your friend. And the first thing he told us was his father had a house <laughs> in my father's house. Now, where did we ever get the idea there's a place called heaven? Where uh, the Jehovah's Witness didn't tell us about it. And the Mormons is keeping it hush, hush. And most Baptists are too because they're ashamed they're going there. 
But all things, he said, all things. Now, you guys, you 11 guys, and all of you who precedes and succeeds these 11 guys, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that's going to jar your kittle. I want to tell you something that's going to rattle your frame. I want to tell you something that's going to light your shock. I want to tell you something going to ring your bell in my father's house. Thank God my father has a house. Now look in your Bible. In my father's house are many what? Most folk could have you believe it's manufacturing housing. Please let me be respectful. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give me another room. In my father's house are many mansions. Well, now, preacher, where do you get that? Well, it was passed down through somebody who is reliable. And I know it's not secondhand, but it's thirdhand. But the hand that told me is kind of dependable. He is the Word of God. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. I heard it from Jesus. And how should I believe it? He said, because if it were not so, I would have told you. You see, he made known unto us and unto everybody else the wonders of my father's house. Now, I don't know if you know that or not. But just, you know, sometimes I just sit around. And think about how beautiful heaven must be. And I want you to know. Now you listen real good. If there's coon hunting in heaven. I've sent better dogs ahead than I'm hunting now. And if it disturbs your sleep when we get to heaven. Forget it. I'm going to do it anyhow. Somebody said to me, you trick them little old bus kids by giving them hot dogs and treats on the bus. I said, you mean to tell me in heaven if a kid walks up to Jesus and said, I'd like to have a hot dog? He'd say, get out of here, you stinking little bus kid. It wouldn't be heaven without a coon dog. (laughs) Joe, it wouldn't be heaven without a bass boat. There is a real fisherman of men. How beautiful heaven must be. The home. Hey, man, where did I get that message? I got it straight from the source. Jesus passed it down. He made known unto us. Why did he do that? Because he's our friend. The Bible said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said. And today, if you have an ear to hear, you ought to hear how wonderful heaven must be. I could talk to you about it if you would, please. But in my Father's house, I, I notice in verse 1 and 2 that there is a Father and that He is God. Now, I don't have any trouble believing that there's a God. You have any trouble believing there's a God? Then won't you act like it? Tonight at 6.30. Is your God a 52-inch flat screen high-definition devil? Or is your God 
the God who passed this down through his son. Now, I'm just wondering. Now, I'm not preaching to you now. I don't want to make anybody mad, of course. God knows I never want to do that. But I would like to make you scratch a little. One thing I do know, there is a father. Yeah, and he has a house. And he's God. You say, how do you know that? Jesus told me. Not only that, I noticed something else. That uh, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, I hope the guy who wrote the song, give me a little cabin in the corner of glory land, that's all he gets. But I'm not looking for a cabin. not looking for anything with wheels on it. Wheels on it, it depreciates. In heaven, there ain't nothing temporary. It's all permanent. Amen. Amen. Streets. So pure of gold. Clear as crystal. Walls of jasper. Gates of pearl. Jesus sitting on the throne, crowned with a rainbow. From beneath his throne flows the water of life. And echoes of thunder and lightning continually as the angels and the seraphims of God bow down and cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. In my Father's house, the wonder of it all, I know there's a house. And look at verse 2, the latter part of the verse in chapter number 14. And the Bible said, Jesus left. And I wonder why he left. Why did Jesus ascend? Back into heaven. Why did he leave? What necessitated him to do that? Notice chapter 14. And the latter part of verse uh, uh, verse uh, 2, I think it is. The Bible said, oh, I'm looking at 15. That probably don't bounce real good. Verse 2. I go to prepare a place for who? Say it again. For who? For who? Let's change it to me. Let's. For who? Me. Who? Are you ready? Because it's a prepared place for prepared people. And if you're not prepared, it's not built yet. But I want you to know something. If you get saved today, Jesus will start construction on your mansion in heaven. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank God Jesus told the bewildered, frightened, uh, frustrated disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus letting us know about a wonderful place that is our Father's house. Something else he let me know. He let me know the way to heaven. John 14, Baptist fellow by the name of Thomas comes to Jesus and he gets kind of worried. Verse 14, verse 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest or how can we know the way? Jesus said, that's easy, Thomas. I am the way. Oh, let me tell you something. If you get to heaven, you're going to have to go Jesus' way. Yeah, you're going to have to go his way. The only way to heaven is Jesus' way. Now, where did I get that? Did I get that from Confucius, who's still confused? Buddha, who's dead? Muhammad, who's looking for a 
a, a, a planet with 70 virgins on it who preaches morality in these days, but immorality in that day. <laughs> you say, you better be careful. There's a bomb going to go off. Yeah, I'll be in the baptistry. You look out for yourself. <laughs> Muhammad don't have a way. Buddha don't have a way. Joseph Smith don't have a way. There's only one way. And you say, preacher, how do you know that? I got it from the way. Well, where did he get it? From the father. Whose house we're going to live in anyhow. Going to heaven, bless your heart. (laughs) Uh, You say, preacher, are you about done? Yes, I am. There's an old legend of a swan and a crane. I know you've heard it several times. A swan and a crane. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful swan. Alighted by the banks of the water in which a crane was wading out in the midst of the deep, salty water looking for snails. For a few moments, the crane viewed the swan in stupid wonder and then inquired, Swan, where did you come from? And the swan looked at the at the crane and said, I came from heaven. And the crane says, well, where is heaven? And the swan answered, heaven, it's a wonderful place. Have you ever been there? The crane said, and the swan said, yes. He said, well, I've never heard of heaven. And the beautiful bird went on to describe the grandeur of heaven to the crane as he waded around in the mulky, muddy water looking for snails. And the swan began to talk about an eternal city where the streets are made of pure gold and where the gates and walls are made of precious stones and, and the river of life flowing in clearest crystal down the street and the banks where the trees of life grow and leaves are used for the healing of the nations and tried to boost the beauty of heaven to the swain to the crane's understanding when he had done the crane showed the slightest of interest and said finally are there any snails in heaven To which the beautiful swan replied, no, there's no snails in heaven. Then the crane continued to search in the mulky, muddy, stinking waters of the water pool. And said, well, you can have heaven. I'll take my snails. You can have heaven. I'll take my snails. I wonder, is there anybody here today with that very same opinion? I'll take my snails that this world will offer. How many young people do you think are saying right today, I'll take the snails that this world has to offer. You can have heaven. How many husbands you think have said by their actions, 
to their wife, I'll take the snails that somebody else offers. You can have your heaven. And I want you to know, five seconds after you've closed your eyes in death, your snails won't mean one thing to you. I wonder how many snail chasers we have listening to me today with no interest in the beautiful things called heaven. You say, preacher, where do you get all of this? Well, Jesus heard it from the Father and made it known to me. The wonder of heaven, the way to heaven. Notice something else, and it's 15 after two. In North Carolina. He made not only. He made not only. Known the way to heaven. He not only made known. The wonders of my father's house. Let me give you this. He made known the work. Of the Holy Spirit. See this is not. A one man job. This is not just an empty. Self. Producing thing. Jesus told those guys. Remember I told you. He told them he's leaving. He told them where he's going. But that wasn't enough. And they were still bewildered. Still scared. Still frustrated. And he said well if that's not enough. I'm going to send you a comforter. Is that what he said? Notice he would. Chapter 14 verse 16. He said, I know you're scared. I know you're bewildered. I know you have the canon of the Old Testament. I know I've told you where I'm going. I told you everything's going to be all right. But you're still frightened. You're still scared. You're still frustrated. So in chapter 14, and he says in verse number 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Notice the word another. Another. Parakletos. Another, not of a different kind, but another of the very same kind. Another one just like me, Jesus said. I mean just like me, a miracle working comforter. A a somebody who will stick closer than a brother. A friend, bless your heart. I'm going to send you a comforter that will be with you how long? Forever. Now where did I get that idea? From the church across the road? They say we Baptist. They ask me, am I a full gospel church? Well, how full is full? No, no, they say, no, do, 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 you, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? You've got to hope so. Huh? Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus told us that he got it from the Father and told us that the Holy Spirit, notice in your Bible, First of all, would be a comforter. Secondly of all, if you look in verse number 17, he will be an indweller. Thirdly of all, he would be a teacher in verse 26. In verse number uh, 26, he would be a reminder. In verse number 16, chapter 16, verse 7, he would be a reprover. And in Acts 1, he would be a empower. Hey, look, man, I've got it made. I have got it made. In me. Look here. 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 
What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I will be with you and in you. Holy Ghost in here. Holy Ghost in here. Boy, wouldn't it be a shame for me to pour Colorado Kool-Aid on the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't it be terrible if I took the Holy Ghost down to do a little two-shoeing tonight? And drink a little cerveza and get a little wound up because I hadn't got enough guts to depend on the Holy Ghost to get it done. See, you say, where do you get all that? Uh, He got it from the Father. Passed it on to me that I have a comforter, another comforter, just like the first comforter, just like him, in me forever to comfort me, to teach me, to remind me. Well, preacher, how does it remind me? Thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against God. And he, the Holy Spirit, reminds me of what the word says. And then when the word says don't, the Holy Ghost reminds me you don't. And when the word says yes, the Holy Ghost reminds me yes. When the word says it will bring glory to God, the Holy Spirit says yes, do it. If I cannot bring glory to God, the Holy Ghost says don't do it. For 46 years. I've been reading the book of Proverbs every day. On the first of the month, I read chapter one. Chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter every day. And would you believe in everyday life? All of a sudden, I'm reminded of a verse. Wow. And I'll say, well, you know, I read that, but I don't remember it. Pow, wow. The Holy Ghost says, Amen. Huh? the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And they get in five and six that deals with a strange woman. Wonder why it don't ever talk about a strange man. We got a lot more strange men. We got strange women. Huh? Boy, I'm glad. I'm glad Jesus made known unto me that the place called heaven, the way to get to heaven, and we got a helper down here until we get there. Is that right? Is that nice? Or is that what? Well, see, he teaches me. Somebody said, I don't need to go to Bible college. I'll just stand up there and open my mouth and God will fill it. Yeah, with hot air. Do you know the Holy Spirit reproves me and rebukes me and spanks me? And he's come to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. How many believe that? Well, now watch some of the preaching today and see how much you hear on sin, righteousness and judgment. And they say they're preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something's wrong with that deal. Because Jesus took it from the Father that the Holy Spirit would reprove, rebuke, exhort, and thank God. Now, 
I've got to hurry. You say, why? Because I'm getting hungry. Fourthly, he made known unto me the wealth of the hallowed peace that you can only get from God. Please look at 14, verse 27. You need, you need this. If you're taking Valium, <laughs> if you're hyperactive, you know, my dad was probably one of the first psychologists I ever met in my life. He had the best remedy for hyperactivity I've ever seen in all my life. He had a wonderful remedy for a suicidal complex. Anybody get my drift? Look in verse 27 of chapter 14. If you don't get another verse, you get this. If you don't listen to one thing I say the next 200 years, you get this. Chapter 14, verse 27. And it says something like this. I've got to find it first. You, you know what it is? You get old and you get senile and you, you can't do anything. But chapter 14, verse 27. Peace, I leave with you. Now notice, my peace, I give unto you. You know, the kind of peace that can look at the cross... The kind of peace that he's experiencing and it's 12 hours before they nail him to a cross. 12 hours before they crown his head with a crown of thorns. 12 hours before Pilate and his renegade crew strips him and mocks him in front of humanity and lays the cat of nine tails across his back and lacerates his back beyond measure. Knowing that on the cross, he's going to hang there six long hours in excruciating pain, being mocked, persecuted, and ridiculed. That peace, that kind of peace, who said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. You say, well, I got great peace until your car won't start. You have great peace until mama makes a mistake and burns your biscuits. You got great peace until something that don't go your way and you jump down somebody's throat. Well, I've got peace. Well, I'm fixing to disturb it. It's his peace we need. Not the peace this stinking world gives. Not the elation that you get when somebody gives you something that's going to rot, rust, or wrinkle. My peace I give unto you. Peace. That peace only comes by faith. And it only comes because of Jesus' love for you. It only continues because of God's grace. You're not going to get any peace in this world. 
He said, I got a ball of a Valium. How much did it cost you? His peace don't cost you anything. His peace is the gift of God. His peace is the peace that the Apostle Paul had when he looked out the window at the guy sharpening the axe that's going to cut his head off in just a day or two. And he says, I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Wow. And we let President Obama mess up our peace. Somebody said we wasn't going to get our, well, our welfare check. Somebody said he's going to cut off our social security. But ought not worry if you've got eternal security. I don't care whether Obama's my friend or not. I don't care if Boehner's my friend or not. But I know somebody I know who I hope remains my friend. And his name is Jesus. Because he gives us everlasting peace. Are you ready for this? Now listen. Listen. And he will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah. For in him is everlasting strength. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, well, you're going to get mad if Ginger going to cook dinner? No, there's too many McDonald's to mess up my home. What if your car don't start? I got another one in the garage. Where'd it come from? Every good and perfect gift coming from above, Father above. Ain't God good? That he made known to me that in my father's house are many mansions. That he made known to me the way to get there. That he made known to me I got the Holy Spirit to help me, guide me, teach me, reprove me, rebuke me, spank me, encourage me, empower me while I'm getting there. And the Holy Spirit of God can give me the peace that passes on understanding on the trip. So when folk look at me, said, boy, if he's saved, I don't want any of that. Hello. Most folk testify of their problems more than they do of their victories. Why don't you just fool people and act like you're happy? <laughs> They'd like you a lot better. I used to ask Baptists how they felt till I found out I didn't have time. Hello, John. Wasn't talking about you. I just saw you. I just saw you. You said he's talking about me. Are you glad that Jesus heard it from the Father and passed it on to us? You don't have to worry about the guy across the street, what he believes. You don't have to worry about what the guy down the road believes. You don't have to worry. It's not about Baptist. It's not about search of God. It's not about uh, any, many, many more. It's about... He heard it from the Father, and he passed it on to us, that in our Father's house, there's a Father, and there's a way, and he's the way. The Holy Spirit's here to help us, guide us, teach us. Can you say amen? amen? 
And I don't need, Miss Jennings don't need to rock over here and lay my hand on her head and say, receive the Holy Ghost. He, she don't need that. Who knows? I may get my wires crossed and kill her instead of heal her. God knows I hope I'm wired right when I do that. God don't need empty hands on a, I mean, dirty hands on empty, um, <laughs> gracious hands on a godly head to do anything. The Holy Spirit of God is here to do that. Are you glad of that? Well, say amen, bless God. I can't act like it's kind of exciting to you that the Holy Spirit is here to give you the peace of God that passeth all understanding. How many got? One, two, three, four, five. Well, not only that, I like this one. He made known his will. The will of my heavenly Father. John 15, abide in me and I in you. He that abideth in me shall bear much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Hmm? I have a friend. I had a friend. That I've witnessed to for years. Invited him to our church. Worked on our vehicles, worked on our equipment. He was never disrespectful. He was just never receptive. I don't know if he's saved or not. God knows I hope so. But over these many years, our church has been a testimony to the man. He's been at my house. And I've been to his place of business. He were, we were first name acquaintances. The other day I drove by his business and the CareFlight helicopter was in his parking lot. A couple hours later, my neighbor called and said, our friend just died with a heart attack. Fifty-some years old. Just died with a heart attack. Never enough time for church. Never enough time for the Bible. Seemed like spiritually discerned. No interest at all. Well, I wonder if there's any interest today. This world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through. My hope is all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. A preacher, where'd you get all that? I heard it from a friend. I heard it from a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I heard it from a friend, listen, who, when everybody run out, he ran in. When everybody else said he's a loser, he came in and made him a winner. So where'd you hear that preacher? I heard it from a friend. Do you know that your friend laid down his life for you? Verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, 
and he laid down his life. What a friend. You know what's so wonderful? Here's a young lady from China. And God laid down his life for every Chinese in the world. That whosoever should come should be saved. And here's an alien. He's from outer space. There ain't but one in the world like him. But boy, how much God loves him. And how much he loves his friend. Did you know that God even loves attorneys? It's hard. Blood sucking, money hungry. <laughs> Dishonest, you know, attorney. And God loved Adam. And God is Adam's friend. <laughs> Ain't that good? And God loves little ladies. In wheelchairs. She was a teenager when I started preaching to her years and years ago. She didn't know she'd be in this wheelchair some years later. But she has a friend. So how do you know that? God told my friend. And my friend told me. And you want to go to the extremes. Doc Barbie's back there by the wall. Me and Jesus are the only people in the world that love Doc Barbie. <laughs> uh, you think about this. Doc, he's mine and your friend. Isn't he? He's mine and your friend. You know, there's no friend like the lowly Jesus. You might think you've got friends in this world. You might think you have peace in this world. But you don't have peace till you have him. Because my friend is the author of peace. My peace I give unto thee. Not as the world giveth I unto thee, but I give it to you. Let's pray. Father, today, I'm ashamed that I'm not a better friend to you than I am. But oh, how I thank you for being a faithful friend to me.